Hello, happy Monday again. This is Melissa Schrader. I'm here with another episode of Paw Talk. We just concluded our service dog series last week, and I want to do a bonus episode this week of just some common myths and misconceptions about service animals or service dogs. So let's go through some common myths or misconceptions, and I'm going to explain and kind of clarify these a little bit more for you. So one of the first myths is my service dog will fix everything. So let's say you have a disability or you're struggling with something, some sort of disability. It's common to think, oh, once I get a service dog, that will just fix everything. That is not the case. Um, Service dogs are a great addition to your health plan or treatment plan, but they are not the be-all, end-all. Service dogs are great in combination with other therapies such as um, medication and um, going to counseling or seeing a psychiatrist. Service dogs aren't meant to replace those things. They're not meant to replace your doctor's visits or once you get a service dog, you're going to be able to get off all your medication. Service dogs are just a piece of the puzzle to assist you in becoming more independent and trying to mitigate your disability, but they are not the be-all, end-all, and sometimes come with their own set of challenges, which we are going to talk about a little bit later on. Another common misconception, and in the guide dog field, I hear this one a lot. My dog is my GPS. The dog just knows where to go. Um, So there's a misconception, especially with guide dogs, that you can just tell your guide dog, let's go to McDonald's and your dog is going to take you there. And that is not the case unless you go to McDonald's every day. What dogs can do when they're learning something is called patterning. Meaning if you take the same route every day to work and let's say there's a favorite coffee shop that you stop on the way to work. And every day you go out your door, you go down to 2nd Street, turn right, go to Main Street, turn left, and go inside your coffee shop, and then go to work after that. Your dog will maybe automatically start to go to the coffee shop without being told. Because your dog is patterned that that's what it does every single day. But that does not mean your dog is a GPS. So those who are guide dog handlers have to know where they're going. They have to know how many streets to cross. They have to know whether they're turning left or right. And they simply tell the dog directions and the dog goes. So in effect... The guide dog handler is the GPS and the dog is the driver. So the handler is the navigator, like the passenger in the navigator seat with the maps in their head of where they need to go. And the guide dog is just the driver obeying the commands and the directions given to it while doing so safely. Um, Along with this, there are a lot of people who think guide dogs can read the street lights and they know when lights are green and that means they can walk and they know when a light is red or they can see the walk sign and know it's okay to walk. That is not true. Dogs have a very limited spectrum of colors that they can see. Um, How we train guide dogs to do traffic work is simply by making sure that it's safe to cross the street. We do what's called traffic checking, meaning we show them that they have to be careful of cars coming at them. Now, dogs are like humans. They have a survival instinct and typically want to get out of the way of a car coming towards them. But sometimes we have to do a little bit more training of 
how the dog shall respond if a car comes out of nowhere and they and they don't have a split second to respond. Um, and so that's something we have to train them to do is to watch out for traffic. But if the handler, so the dog and the handler are a team. The handler's job is to listen, to see if they can hear any traffic coming. If they think the coast is clear, they will then tell the dog, forward. And at that point, the dog will see if the coast is clear, looking specifically for traffic. They're not looking at the traffic signals or anything like that. They're just seeing if there's any cars coming. If it is safe to go, the dog will continue forward. If it is not safe to go, so they see a car coming, then they will disobey the command. We call it intelligent disobedience, meaning they will refuse to go forward because there is a car coming. So traffic and crossing streets is really a 50-50 from the dog and the handler, but they do it based off of the actual traffic and not any of the traffic signals. Now, I will say some traffic um, intersections have a button that visually impaired people can press and it will tell them, okay to walk and do some sort of voice activated so they know it's okay to walk. Um, or they'll do like a beeping sound so they know it's okay to walk. That just helps the person who is blind to know it's safe to walk and give their dog that forward command. The dog doesn't know that that is saying it's okay to walk, if that makes sense. Another misconception is public outings are going to be easier once I have a service dog. So typically, especially if you are struggling with anxiety or any sort of um, mental disability, being out and about can be pretty traumatic and pretty hard to get out. Um, and a lot of people think just having a dog is going to solve that. A dog can be very helpful in these circumstances in ways such as if you struggle with like PTSD and are afraid of someone coming up behind you. It can be a lot more reassuring knowing there's a dog watching your back and make you feel a little bit more comfortable going out in public. But that doesn't mean it's easier going out into public with a service dog. In fact, it can be a lot of times harder because if you just want to run in a store and get some milk, that's just not a simple task anymore. You go in with a service dog and you have people stopping you and asking you questions and commenting. And having a service dog is like having a child along. So for any of you out there who have children, it's like bringing your toddlers along to the store and you're hoping they behave appropriately and um, that the trip goes smoothly. And that's the same thing with the service dog. So while they can be helpful for someone to help get them out and about and feel safer being out and about, it's not easier. A lot of times it's harder and they have to make sure they pack water for the dog and treats for the dog or food if they're going somewhere overnight. So it's a lot of work having a service dog in public. And if your disability is severe enough that that dog does mitigate your disability, then it's worth the extra work. But if not, then it just ends up being more work. Another one is my, uh, the service dogs want your attention. Now, this is true in the fact that service dogs at the end of the day are dogs. So most service dogs do love people and do love attention. There are some, a handful of dogs who just by their personality don't really want anyone's attention but their owners and could care less. However, this does not mean that you should give them attention. In fact, you shouldn't give them attention. Just because a dog wants attention doesn't mean that they should get it. 
Um, when you're looking at service dogs, trying to get the service dog's attention by petting them or offering them food or calling their name or whistling at them, that can actually be very dangerous to a service dog team. So especially like for a guide dog team who's crossing the street and you're distracting them, they're not gonna be looking for cars. They're gonna be looking at you. Or a dog that's a medical alert dog, they're not gonna be paying attention to their owner's medical state. They're gonna be paying attention to you and what you're trying to do with them. So while most of them may like it, that doesn't mean you should. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about this later um, regarding interfering with a service dog. My pet can be a service dog if I order a vest and an ID. So there are lots of places online now, especially on Amazon, that is really easy. You pay 50, 100 bucks and you get a nice vest that says service dog or service dog in training or emotional support dog. And then you get a nice certificate for your dog. That does not make your dog a service dog. There is no registration for a service dog. There is no certificate you can get for a service dog. Those are just scams. Those companies take your money you get this piece of paper that makes you feel better being out in public and a lot of business owners who are uneducated will accept that piece of paper but in a court of law it will not hold up there is no legal basis for that piece of paper because there is no certification and having a pet put on a vest just so you can take them out can be considered interfering with a service dog it can also um be considered um, in a, a kind of interfering not just with the work but with the dog itself and can cause harm to the team. So while you might think that, well, I just want to bring my dog out, there's no harm in it, there is a lot of harm and there's a lot of harm to our service dog teams because at once again, even service dogs are dogs at the end of the day. And if there is a dog out and about who doesn't have the proper training and is causing a scene by barking or lunging or whatnot, that is going to distract the actual service dog team. Um, and the other thing to keep in mind is that there are repercussions for portraying your dog as a service dog when it is not a service dog. For a dog to be a service dog, they have to be trained to do tasks that mitigate your disability. If you do not have a disability or a disability to the severity that it needs some mitigation, your dog is not a service dog. So do not try and pet, pass your pet off as a service dog because it will not just affect the teams that your dog comes into contact with, but then if businesses have a really bad experience with your dog being out in public, they are going to actually give the service dog teams a really hard time about being in their place of business. And that's very embarrassing to someone who really needs a service dog to be questioned and to be scrutinized. Um, so you're doing a lot more harm than you realize when you do something like that. Service dogs are overworked and stressed. You know, a lot of times people feel bad for the service dogs. Oh man, they have to work all day. They're gonna be so stressed. You know, you shouldn't be feeling bad for the service dogs. What we say as service dog trainers is we feel bad for the dogs that have to stay at home all day. We only here at Pausable Angels use service dogs who enjoy the work. If they don't enjoy working and they don't enjoy being out in public, then they're not service dogs. 
So we take dogs who enjoy the work and they get to be with their owner 24 hours a day and that's what dogs want. Dogs were bred to be companion animals and they want to be with their person all the time. And so service dogs actually have it pretty nice because they get to go everywhere. And, you know, I we always joke, but it's very true that, you know, 80% of a service dog's work is actually just laying down. And that's another myth that people think is just because a service dog is laying down, it means that they're not working. That is not true. But for many service dogs, they go to work with their owner. They go to school with their owner. Um, and so during those times, they are literally laying at the owner's feet at a desk. So 80% of the work, they're just laying there. So they are not overworked and they love it. They love being out. They love the challenges of new situations and they love being with their owner. All service dogs act the same. And you know what's funny is this is a misconception even among trainers, service dog trainers. So if there's service dog trainers who've only trained like one type of dog, they think all service dogs need to act like their dog. And that's not true. There's so many different types of disabilities that service dogs are chosen to mitigate, but the disabilities vary in what the dog needs to do, which also means the personality of dog you need is different. So for instance, let's talk about a dog maybe who alerts to seizures. A good part of their day is passively laying by and kind of waiting and watching for the onset of a seizure so they can alert someone. Now, if the seizure, seizure is fairly well controlled, maybe they'll have a seizure a day, if that. So the dog really needs to be a very passive dog. These are dogs that need to be told what to do. Um, a lot of times two dogs that are um, helping people in wheelchairs and their job is to retrieve items dropped. They are looking to the owner of tell me what to do next. Should I get that? Should I not get it? And they need, they are very passive dogs. Guide dogs are completely different. Guide dogs are meant to be very independent. They have to make choices without the, um, feedback from their owner because the owner may not see that a dog is rushing toward them or that there is a huge gap in the sidewalk coming up. So these dogs have to make decisions. They have to make decisions very quickly and they have to do it without input from their owner. So these dogs are a lot more, um, more of like a dominant dog, an independent dog. They aren't passive. They're very direct dogs. Um, and I've actually had a service dog person tell me this once that um, they, a service dog trainer told me that one of my service dogs was too dominant of a dog to be a service dog. And what he had failed to realize is that not all service dogs are the same. We can't have passive dogs looking to be guide dogs. Those dogs would fail out of the guide dog program because if they're constantly needing feedback and input from their handler, it's not going to work. But likewise, the dogs that make great guide dogs would probably fail out of another service dog program for dogs that have to be more passive because guide dogs don't like just to lay around all day. They don't like to be told what to do. They wanna make their own decisions. So when you see different dogs and different personalities, they're not all gonna be the same because they all have different jobs to do and they need personalities based on the work that they need to do. Uh, next one, service dogs are a luxury. A lot of people think, man, you are so lucky. You get to bring your service dog with you wherever you go. I wish I could do that. 
It is not a luxury to have a service dog. It is a, a need, a requirement for that person to be able to try and live some sort of normal life. So to wish that you could have a service dog would be to wish that you had that disability. And believe me, you don't want that disability. It doesn't matter what it is. The things and the challenges that people with disabilities have every day, like I said, while a dog is a great asset or can be a great asset to them, it doesn't fix everything for them. They still have a lot of challenges and obstacles they have to overcome daily. They still have limitations and things they can't do because of their disability. So having a service dog is not a luxury. It is something that a person needs to try and have some sort of independence and normalcy. And so to think someone is lucky to have a service dog is not, not right. Um, service dogs should be looked looked at as medical equipment. It's like looking at someone that has an electric wheelchair and being and saying, oh man, you're so lucky you have an electric wheelchair. You don't even have to walk anywhere. You can just sit there and motor on. You're so lucky. No one would dream of saying that because they understand that's not lucky, that there's a lot of things that person has to sacrifice being in that wheelchair. And it's the same with service dogs. Just because they're cute dogs does not make them lucky or it being a luxury having them out and about. There's also a common misconception that service dogs are only for those that have those physical disabilities that you can see. Someone who's blind, someone who is in a wheelchair, maybe someone who is deaf. That is not the case. We're increasingly seeing, especially since COVID, um, dogs needed for mental disabilities, those who have had some traumatic event, those who have had PTSD or have PTSD, those that have anxiety or depression disorders, not just feeling blue some days, but so much so that they can't leave their house. We're not talking about feeling anxious before a big, um, a big game or before a big presentation. We're not talking about just feeling a little like overwhelmed here and there. We're talking about to the point where people are doing self-harming behavior, scratching their skin raw. They might be banging their heads or they can't even get out of bed and leave the house because they are, they are, they are suffering so much from this mental disability. So just because you can't see it, don't judge people and say they have a fake service dog. That is unfair. Um, we're seeing more and more, you know, just right now with what I'm working with, I have more people that I'm working with with mental disabilities than physical disabilities. So very, please be slow to judge because just because you can't see the disability doesn't mean it's not there. Um, one of the misconceptions is you shouldn't ever talk to someone about their disability if you see them. So if you see them out with a, a dog, you shouldn't ever ask them about their disability. Now, that can be rude to some people and some people will take offense to it. But there are some people who love to educate the public and who love to talk about what their dog can do for them. So it's never hurts to ask in a way such as, if you feel comfortable, I would love to know more about your disability and what your dog can do um, as an education piece. But it's not, um, what's usually not a good way is going up to someone saying, well, what's wrong with you? You know, why do you need that dog? No, that's not how you should phrase it. But there are, I know a lot of people who have disabilities who are more than happy to educate people about what their dog does for them and how it mitigates their disability.
Another misconception, service dogs must wear a vest. So they must wear a vest or a coat or something that says they are service dogs. That is incorrect. There is nothing requiring a service dog to wear any sort of identifying um, tags or harness or anything. They don't have to wear anything. Now, many do just to make it easier for the public to identify it's a service animal, but it is not a requirement for them to do that to be able to have public access rights. Another misconception is that a service dog will never bark or jump in your lap. That is untrue. There are some dogs who are trained to bark as a um, part of their task work. So an instance for this may be if um, they are a seizure alert dog. They may be trained to alert someone if there's a seizure by barking. So let's say a person has a seizure in the restroom. They may lay on the person and bark to get the attention of the public that something is wrong. Um, and in terms of jumping in the lap, that same thing, that can be a task work. Now, as service dog trainers, we try our best to train tasks that are least intrusive when people are out in public and draw the least amount of tension. But sometimes, depending on the disability, we do have to train dogs to jump up on their owner or to bark, um, to stop a behavior sometimes. Or some owners will do what we call disassociate, meaning they get so lost in like a flashback or something like that, that the dog has to jump up on them or even bark to snap them out of it. So there, it is a trained behavior, but now saying that, it should be, the dog then should get off on command and it shouldn't keep happening over and over. So if you're in public and a dog is just bark, 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 or jump, jump, and the person's pushing them off and they're jumping up again and pushing, per, person's pushing them off, that's not typically something that's being trained at that point. But there are task work for certain situations. Now along with that, there's a misconception that service dogs will never misbehave and if they misbehave, they must be fake. So if a service dog all of a sudden tries to chase a squirrel or a ball runs right past and gets excited and wants to pounce on the ball, or maybe it's having an off day and is pulling or something and people look and go, well, that's a fake service dog. That's not true. There could be two reasons for this. One, it could be a service dog in training, which in Ohio has the same rights as a service dog. So it may be a dog that's in training that just needs some more training. It could be a certified, completely trained service dog who either had a bad um, experience, such as maybe it was attacked by another dog and now it's seeing other dogs and being reactive to other dogs. So there may be some extra training going on with that dog to mitigate some trauma that the dog had. Or it could be an off day where the dog just all of a sudden said squirrel and all of a sudden wanted to chase it and then remembered, oh, I'm a service dog, I forgot. So at the end of the day, these dogs are dogs. And if your little kid is going to shove an ice cream cone in a service dog's face, there's a good chance they're going to lick it because they're dogs. So while service dogs are very well trained and we do try and train for circumstances such as leaving it when kids are offering food or foods on the ground 
or when a dog or squirrel run by, we can't account for every situation. And there may be situations that take a dog off guard one day. So they don't have to be perfect and they won't be perfect. Now, if there's some severe misbehavior and the handler cannot get the dog back in control, that might be a good clue that it's a, either a fake service dog or just does not have the training required to be a service dog. But one of the big things in terms of being fake or not is if a dog is misbehaving, the, dog, the handler should be able to get the dog back in control relatively quickly. Um, and that, and then move on and do some training with the dog, not just let the dog continue to misbehave. Another myth is individuals can only have one service dog at a time. Now that is typically common to have one service dog at a time, but that is not a requirement that they can only have one service dog. Um, let's say they need guide work and they also need a medical alert for like a heart condition. You may see them, and I've not seen this yet, but it is entirely possible for them to wear maybe a smaller dog on their chest to alert them to a heart condition, and then a guide dog to guide them around. Because those two tasks are so intensive that you can't have one dog doing both of those tasks. You need a dog that just can concentrate on the guide work and a dog that can just concentrate on the medical alert. Because that otherwise that dog would be overtaxed and it would be way too much for one dog. Bully breeds are fake service dogs. Untrue. Any breed can be a service dog. Um, and I personally, Pawswells has used um, pit bulls and other bully breeds in our work. Now we do some very careful temperament testing with them to make sure they have the right temperament for the work. But any breed can be a service dog. It's not just Labrador Retrievers or Golden Retrievers or German Shepherds. That's typically what a lot of people see, especially with those organizations that breed their own dogs. They usually stick to those three breeds or like a doodle of some sort. But here at Pawsbulls, we pride ourselves in getting a lot of our dogs, a majority of our dogs from shelters, and then giving those shelter dogs a chance to do something great with their lives by being service dogs. And so obviously our dogs look different because they are mixes. So that does not make them any less of a service dog than the dogs who are bred by specific parents. In fact, I worked for a school who had their breeding program and some of my service dogs from shelters are way better than my service dogs coming from actually breeding programs. Um, a real service dog is, a reg is registered or certified. And we kind of discussed this earlier and addressed this a little bit earlier, but there is no certification. There is no national or state registration for service dogs. So they won't be registered or certified. And you can't ask to see any certification or registration because it doesn't exist. Service dogs don't don't have to follow local laws or for licensing or vaccinations. That is untrue. Even service dogs have to make sure they stay up on their vaccinations, especially like their rabies vaccination. And they also have to follow the local laws on licensing. So they have to be registered and licensed. Now there is a service dog licensing procedure through the courthouses where you can get one tag and it's typically free of charge that your dog can wear and you don't need to keep re-registering them every year but they still have to abide by your state laws and local laws regarding what's required for registration and making sure that they're the they have the vaccinations required
Service dogs have to complete a, an official training program to be service dogs. Service dog training is very intensive. It uses, it's a lot of work. And obviously we definitely recommend that you work with a, train, a trainer or training organization that specializes in service dogs to help you train your own dog. But they do not, are not required by law to go through an official training program. So you can self-train a dog. Um, there are recommendations that we had kind of talked about in an earlier episode of what a service dog should require from their training, um, how many hours they should be trained, uh, where the, how many hours in public they should have training. So there are some guidelines that are considered in the service dog field best practices for training for service dogs. However, in terms of the law and the access laws, there is no actual training program they have to show proof of of completing before being a service dog. And then lastly, messing around with a service dog is just some harmless fun. So people think, hey, if I'm just gonna like whistle at this dog or go, here doggy doggy, come here doggy doggy, and make noises, and it's just some harmless fun. I want the dog to look at me, I wanna, you know, I'm helping your dog practice because it shouldn't be distracted by me. And a lot of times people think, well that's just harmless fun, it's not gonna hurt anything. That is not true, it is not harmless fun, and it can be very dangerous for a service dog team. In fact, Ohio here actually has laws about interfering with a service dog that I'm gonna go over with everyone so that they know um, what can happen if you decide to have a little, what you would think maybe is harmless fun. So the laws include this. Let's talk a little bit about what, what it would include interfering with a service dog and what that looks like. So there's two different things that would mean that you are actually interfering with a service dog. So first one is says no person shall knowingly cause or attempt to cause physical harm to an assistance dog in either of the following circumstances. And so the first circumstance is if a dog is actually assisting or serving someone who is blind, deaf, or hearing impaired, or mobility impaired at the time the physical harm is caused or attempted. So it's your knowingly or trying to actually harm an assistance dog. This shouldn't. This should not happen when the dog is actively in its service work duties. Or it also covers if the dog is not assisting or doing its service dog work at the time, at the time the physical harm is caused or attempted, but the offender has actual, actual knowledge that the dog is an assistance dog. So trying to harm a service dog at all is a no-go. If you, um, if the dog is marked and actually working as a service dog and you know it's a service dog and you're still trying to cause physical harm to the dog, that will be considered interfering with the service dog and you will be subject to penalties that we'll talk about later. Or maybe the dog isn't in vest or working or has no sort of identification, but the person knows that it is a service dog and they still try to cause harm to it, then they'll be subject to penalties. You'll also be subject to penalties if you recklessly do any of the following. If you taunt, torment, or strike an assistance dog. So taunting, come here doggy, would you like a treat? Um, I was out at a vet conference once and I actually had some of the vets who were there at the conference whistling. 
at the dog while we walked by. Um, no, they were not whistling at me. They were whistling at the dog and, and making noises like kissing noises to try and distract the dog. Um, I also had a man once when I was in the store, Myers, and he um, walked right behind us real quick and you could tell that he was trying to distract the dog. And then he walked up ahead, stopped, and in the middle aisle there was a dog toy and bone display. So he took one out and was taunting our dog with the bone. Um, so that is considered taunting. You cannot recklessly throw an object or substance at an assistance dog. You can't interfere with or obstruct an assistance dog or, or interfere or with or obstruct a blind, deaf, or hearing impaired or mobility impaired person who's being assisted or served by an assistance dog. So you can't interfere with a service dog that does includes any of the following. Inhibiting or restricting the assisted or served person's control of the dog. So you can't take the dog away from someone. You can't restrict or inhibit the dog from doing what it needs to do to serve that person. You can't deprive the assisted or served person of control over the dog, so taking the dog. You can't release the dog. So it's not funny if someone who's blind and sitting at a table and you go up and unhook the dog to see what they would do. That is considered being reckless. You can't enter an area of control of the dog without the consent of the assisted or served person. So there is an, you know, if the dog is laying next to the owner or within the owner's control, what you can't do is enter that area of control and place food or any other object or substance into that area to try and distract the dog. And you can't do that without consent. You can't inhibit or restrict the, the ability of the dog to assist the person who is disabled. You can't engage in any conduct that is likely to cause serious physical injury or death to an assistance dog. And if the person is the owner, keeper, or harbor of a dog, and they fail to reasonably restrain the dog, so if you own a dog and you are not restraining your dog from taunting, tormenting, chasing, approaching in a menacing fashion or apparent attitude of attack, or attempting to bite or otherwise endanger an assistance dog that at the time of conduct is assisting or serving someone who has a disability or the person knows it's an assistance dog. So it will also be considered reckless and you will be under penalties if you are the owner of a dog who is taunting or menacing or chasing an assistance dog. And that's if they are actively assisting at that time, wearing a vest, you know, guiding, doing whatever. It can also apply if you just know it's a service dog, maybe they're not working and are out of vest, but you, your dog is allowing, you are allowing your dog to do these things or you don't reasonably restrain them from doing these things. So if you engage in any of the following that I just said, you are gonna be subject to the following penalties. So if you violate these things, you are gonna be charged as being guilty of assaulting an assistance dog. This is the Ohio Revised Code 2921.321. And assaulting an assistance dog is considered a misdemeanor of the second degree. So all those things that I listed are is considered assaulting an assistance dog. So, um, well, 
sorry, let me go back. That Those first, the, the section C, which is about um, actually physically harming, going after a service dog and physically harming a service dog. You will be guilty of assaulting an assistance dog. And that carries a misdemeanor of second degree. But if your assault leads to death of the assistance dog, then it's gonna be considered a felony of the third degree. If your assault results in serious physical harm to the service dog, but does not kill the service dog, then you will be guilty of a felony of the fourth degree. And if your assault results in physical harm to the assistance dog, but it doesn't kill the dog or cause serious physical harm, then you will be considered guilty of a misdemeanor of the first degree. Now, if you violate Section D, which is all about tormenting or taunting an assistance dog, then you are going to be guilty of harassing an assistance dog. So before, in the previous section, you would be considered guilty of assaulting a service dog. Now you'll be considered guilty of harassing a service dog. And funny enough, it carries about the same sort of penalty. So if you are guilty of harassing a service dog, that's the misdemeanor of the second degree. Now keep in mind, honestly, I don't find tons of people violating this section D of taunting a service dog. However, I do find a lot of people are not restraining their dogs and the dogs are, their own dogs are the ones that are guilty of this. Now dogs are considered property. So by default, you as the owner of the dog would still be considered guilty. Now, if this harassment results in the death of the assistance dog, like a dog attack, for instance, then that would be considered a felony of the third degree. If the harassment results in serious physical harm, once again, I'll go back to the dog attack, so maybe it didn't kill the service dog, but it did harm the, the service dog, then that is considered um, a felony of the fourth degree. If it results in physical harm, does not kill the dog, but is not really serious as well, but does, like maybe the dog um, gets a cut on its leg, it could be considered harassing, um, that would be considered harassing a service dog and would be a misdemeanor of the first degree. Now, in addition to being charged with either a misdemeanor or a felony, you would be responsible for the payment of all of the following. So should you be charged of either guilty of either assaulting or harassing an assistance dog, you would have to pay all veterinary bills required that maybe the dog had to sustain. And this isn't just dog fights, uh, like another dog attacking the service dog. This could be if you're throwing something at the dog or if you distract it and um, while the person's crossing the street and they get hit by a car. Um, that's all included as well. But you'll also be um, required to pay for the cost of any damaged equipment that results from it. So if a leash or a harness or something is ruined in the process, that you will be responsible for paying that. If the, um, the assault or harassment did not result in death, but the dog needs further training or retraining to be able to continue in the service dog work, then the cost of any further training you will have to pay for. In addition, if your harassment or your assault results in the death of an assistance dog, 
or physical harm to the point where the dog cannot continue in its service dog role. So even trauma, like trauma, if the dog is traumatized and cannot continue in its role, then you will be responsible to pay for replacing that dog, whether it's on a permanent or a temporary basis. You have to pay the cost of replacing that dog um, and any further training of a new dog to take its place. So to think that um, allowing your dog off leash to go potty in an area that has service animals is just um, not a big deal. Um, I've had lots of experience with that, which is why I'm harping on that because I recently had an experience specific to this point. Um, if you think it's no big deal or just casually taunting a dog, I have kids sometimes that whistle to the dogs. Um, it is a big deal. To interfere with a service dog is a big deal. Okay, so that is a big list of myths that I hope helps educate everyone out there. Um, and we will talk next week. If you have any ideas of what you would like us to talk about here on Paw Talk, please drop us a message or comment on our Facebook and we'd love to hear from you. Have a good Monday.